Baradon Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast back after Labor Day weekend, a weekend filled with fantasy football drafts and drinking. Courtney, how was your weekend? Saturday was nuts. Like for Colorado and TCU to be the game 72 hours later that we're still talking about was not on my bingo card coming out of week one of college football, but I am really excited about what's ahead for this Colorado program. I know that Dion has been in a lot of people's faces about it. And frankly, given some of the comments out there, I don't blame him the way that people have criticized this roster, the way that he built this team, so on and so forth. It's one game. They gave up 42 points and over 500 yards. They've still got things to work on, but this is good for college football. We know that parity is a thing that sometimes feels like there's a lack of it in college football. When you have the Alabamas, the Georgias and all the sec powers for right now, and this could change this week, but for right now, Deion Sanders is the biggest name in college football, bigger than Nick Saban, bigger than Kirby smart. And I am here for it. I love that. He's so in, and my favorite thing is right. Like everybody just wants him to not be Dion. It's like, were you guys thinking you were going to get the quiet Deion Sanders? Were you thinking you weren't going to get the trash talking Deion Sanders? I'm sorry. Let me pull up 40 years of this guy in football to show you why that's never going to happen. I loved every minute of it. I'm not going to lie. I am a, uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I personally think Deion Sanders pound for pound greatest football player of all time. That's just my personal opinion on it. So I'm a huge Deion fan and uh, anything he does, I will follow him to the ends of the earth, especially when he gives like that, uh, that pregame speech that had everyone ready to run through a wall. It was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got a lot to get into here on the podcast. We got to talk about some injury updates. I mean, Jaquan Brisker sounds like he's ready to go. I didn't, I, got to talk about his uh, I hate the Packers. I, I wasn't wasn't convinced. I don't think that that trickles down to the younger generation as much. Uh, the offensive line issues that we have, are we heading towards a healthier offensive line in front of Justin Fields? Uh, clear advantage that the Bears have over the Packers, some struggles that they may have to face. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, as every week on this show will be, we are on Panther Watch. <laughs> Brian Burns holding out all that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, and drop a bardon in the comments. Appreciate you for tuning in and showing love. Let's jump into the show. Courtney, let's start it off here in the first quarter. This podcast, by the way, is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. First quarter. Jaquan Brisker sounds like he's a go. We haven't seen pieces in this secondary for weeks. I mean, I believe Jaquan Brisker, him being on a field now and and getting in this ramp-up period to get ready to play is the first football action we've seen him on field for over a month now, I believe. Mm -hmm. It was early August when he got hurt, and we never saw him again in practice. Saw him out there every day. He was, you know, attentive, and he's been there, but it's... It's interesting because they never changed him from day to day to week to week because that's apparently that's how they viewed him. So there is some confusion in there as to a what the injury is, but also what classifies somebody as week to week because he literally missed weeks of practice. So I guess I don't know. I think you can infer that week to week means more like gonna miss a month, like somebody who's not going to be back anytime soon. And what Eberflus, what Matt Eberflus said going into the long weekend was that Brisker had – it was a big weekend for him. He had a lot of rehab stuff he had to do at the facility. Yeah. I wonder 
as far as his timeline. Was this the first time he was doing stuff at full speed as far as like the ramp up period? Where is he in that? Because the team was off. This was a chance for guys to get away to, you know, have your last little tiny 48 hour break before football season starts. And they had to be back there yesterday for a light practice in week one. Doesn't sound like Jaquan Brisker got any of that, but he has been, according to everybody we've talked to, attacking his rehab and getting himself in a position where tomorrow is going to be a huge day for him to determine, since they're in pads, you know, how much is he doing? So when that injury report comes out, I would not be surprised if it says limited on it. If it says full, though, like full participation, listing whatever it is, because they're going to have to. They can't just, you know... The injury report's going to be unique because there were so many injuries early on, and I'm sure some of these, you know, if it's no longer a lingering thing, they don't have to report it. But Brisker, considering this has been a big storyline and it's it's something the Bears are even talking about, there's not a 100% guarantee he's playing. It's just more of a positive outlook. We'll finally see what it is. And then you can sort of make the determination of how hard are they willing and able to push him in practice to make sure they can test whatever it is to see if he's good to go for week one. Everything though, that you hear from him and from Matt Eberflus doesn't give you any pause that he's progressing towards week one. I'm just, you know, tomorrow will be very interesting to see what he looks like out there and how much he's actually able to do because he hasn't done anything in a full practice since that first week of August, end of July, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I, I thought, you know, maybe he was saying basically I'm playing when all of a sudden he's like, the Packers are going to see me, you know, for the first time mm -hmm. and, and they're going to see me out there and all of that. So I thought he was basically saying, listen, it, hella high water come. I'm going to be out there. And that's who he is. Like, yeah. I was not surprised. I was not surprised by hearing that and that he wasn't having any sort of pause on his comments that. He was going all in that he's going to play and no matter what, he will be out there. Now we'll see because they can't afford him to have some sort of setback that becomes right. an injury that keeps him out several weeks, but it's a good sign that early on this week, you know, he was out there for stretching and that the only player yesterday that was missing was uh, Dylan Cole brisker for the last couple of weeks. We've seen him on the bike. And we don't know exactly in what capacity he has been practicing. I know that Eberflu said last week, you know, he's been limited. Now, we were out there Monday through Thursday last week, and there were moments where we weren't allowed out there on, th on Wednesday and Thursday. But apparently, according if, if you're taking what the head coach is saying uh, at face value, that he was out there in some capacity, whether it was yeah. walkthrough speed or something else, again, better than nothing and it's leads you to believe that there is some sort of resolution on the horizon here for whatever has been ailing him but I'm really curious to see what it is because they are so secretive about injuries during the preseason that's their that's their prerogative tomorrow they can't be tomorrow they can't be secretive about the backup quarterback stuff either so there should be quite a few answers that come uh, to the table to into fruition tomorrow because of stuff that they're league mandated to report. The biggest kick to the to the little guys would be if if after all of this you finally go Nathan Peterman's the backup quarterback. Like, bro, don't do that. The, you cut him. You would bring I him be back. Surprised? Don't do that. To us. Would I? I would not be surprised, honestly, <laughs> though. And even today, I mean, today I believe is like this afternoon is when we should get that game book. Uh, like basically the the whole the the, re card. the release for that. Yeah. It should have the depth chart on it, but 
if the Bears want to play any games, and I don't know if they're allowed to do the way that the Colts did and other teams did, or, you know, with the or in between positions right. um, or in between, you know, tiers of positions, then it should say one way or the other who QB2 is and then who QB3 is. But again, they've kept that one for whatever reason. They feel like that's a competitive advantage by holding that stuff close to the vest. I don't see it, but just like the injuries, though, we're a step closer to getting answers there. Is this one the weirdest competitive advantage you've seen? Like the 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 backup quarterback, we got to keep this one. There's been some weird okay. ones in football. Bill Belichick's thrown some weird ones out. But I mean, this one to me just makes no sense. It doesn't it doesn't help you because it doesn't help yeah. you in any way because if Justin Fields can't play, then then it's really tough that I you can't really expect either Nathan Peterman at least right now. I'm not giving anybody bulletin board material because right. apparently you have to be so careful about what you say because it could be like a CVS length receipt, like the one that Dion was referring to. Anytime you question anything, you question the unknown. We're questioning the unknown if Tyson Bajan gets into a game because we have not seen him in an NFL game. We've seen yeah. Nathan Peterman in an NFL game. You know how that's probably going to turn out. But for the Bears to posture that this is something that is such a big deal that they can't let anybody know until the 11th hour is a little, it's teetering into a little bit of like hysterical behavior. I don't <laughs> think that that's necessary at all, which is why I'm really looking forward to seeing what that depth chart says, because it'll quiet everything at least for a little bit. Although uh, it yeah. will probably raise more questions if Peterman ends up being QB two, given the depth of knowledge he has of this offense. Yeah. And you might want a buffer to at least get Tyson Bajant ready to be QB2 eventually with somebody who has actually been in that role. Let's just hope it never comes to a need where we have to see either of them. That's where I That's sit. That's what the Bears should hope for because that <laughs> would be a very tough spot to be in if either of them, and not Justin Fields, has to play a game. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see a Bailey Zappi breakout of for Tyson Bajan or a uh, um, Brock Purdy. You know, let, let, let's just let's let's just stick with our starter for the season. That'd be nice. Uh, speaking of keeping our starter in the game, according to Flus, you know, this offensive line seems to be moving in the right direction. Everybody's, you know, of course not Tevin Jenkins, but for the most part, it seems like everybody's on track to play. Mm-hmm. Where are we looking at with this offensive line right now? What is your expectation of what? the starting lineup is going to look like at the moment. So Cody Whitehair yesterday like showed this like splint on his finger and said that it won't affect him snapping uh, the ball if they decide to move him back to center. And that's a question I've had for Matt Eberflus now for a week. If if you're saying everybody's healthy, does that mean Cody goes back to center? Do you move Lucas Patrick to guard? Could it be Dan Feeney? When we're out at practice tomorrow, when you get to see what that look what that look looks like in the very small period of time that we're out there and see, all right, who's snapping the ball? Who's, you know, who's taking guard snaps? Who's next right. to the center? Like it's little pieces of information like that that you have to piece together to figure out what they're actually going to do, but he's remained true to his eyes, uh, you know, kind of doubled down on this that the offensive line health is trending in the right direction. You know, not to be buried in all of this, Darnell Wright, that means that he'll be ready to go because he suffered some sort of rolled ankle, something in the preseason, that practice we were out there and he didn't end up playing in the third preseason game. Yeah. You know, as far as we know, that's not an issue because he hasn't been brought up as, a, as part of a group when Flew says, you know, everybody outside of Tevin Jenkins is healthy and ready to go. And we've seen 
Darnell Wright practicing. That'll be fun to watch his debut and see how he does against, you know, a bevy of pass rushers who had a lot of success last year, whether, you know, it's Kenny Clark or Preston Smith, so on and so forth. But outside of Tevin Jenkins, you know, the uncertainty outside of him being out for a couple of weeks, that raises a level of uncertainty to, all right, are they going to keep Cody at left guard? Are they going to move him back to center? I would imagine that they will probably go with the combination that they have. Dan Feeney hasn't been in camp. Uh, He got here last week. It's smarter. It's a smarter play to keep your starting five that you had been practicing with going into the weeks, going into the green Bay game as is. And and you know that Lucas Patrick is a capable center. You just haven't seen it all that much. You don't want to be toying around with this is the cadence that like one person rocks with, with the quarterback. Here's like, you know, if you change it, then that could end up being, you know, that could end up like really like messing things up because, and I'm not equating it, but like last year, the difference between Sam Mustafer and uh, Lucas Patrick, I mean, we know that that was that, that, you know, Mustafer ended up having to play because of injury, but he had lost his job up until that week seven game, or he had lost his job ahead of that week seven game in New England, ends up gaining it back because Lucas Patrick, who was the better option, the Bears felt at center because he got hurt. So I, I would imagine they'll probably end up going on the interior, you know, white hair, Patrick, and then Davis. Because, yeah, and the good thing is you haven't heard anything concerning about Nate Davis. I did think you and I talked about this last week. Uh, you know, Ryan Pohl's explanation as to what's going on with him. He said it was, you know, he alluded to it was more than just, you know, injury related, but that yeah. he's squared away. He's in a better place now. Yeah, he's it, alive. It was... He's alive. I just want to put that out there. He's alive, but he's in a better football place now. I think is the appropriate way to phrase that. I was gonna say, I was like, he's in a better place now. I thought that's what we were talking about when he was missing practices and training camp. But it's neither here nor there. So you're you're basically feeling Braxton Jones, white hair, Patrick at center, right guard Nate Davis, right tackle uh, Darnell Wright, and and that's what they'll roll into. Which I I, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you don't want to do massive switches. Not to say, I mean, they worked. Cody was healthy most of training camp. So it's not like I couldn't see them switching it back all up until what that Colts game, I believe, was when, was when he ended up having the injury. Yeah. Um, I I guess it wouldn't surprise me, but it's a situation where do you want to put a guy in there who's still dealing with the hand injury, whatever the splint is, maybe you want to let that heal all the way up, but Mm -hmm. are are you fixing that if you're putting them at left guard and still having them out there hitting guys? I guess it's one or the other to see. That's, that's an interesting update there. I I didn't, uh, I I didn't think there was any shot for Cody to play center week one. So I don't, I I really don't think there is. I don't think they're going to chance it, but I did notice that the cast or whatever, the wrap on his hand was considerably less last week. So this doesn't feel like it's going to be a long-term issue for him, but if if there's any risk of him re-injuring it, which you know he's still wearing a splint, that's not nothing. But right. it do- he said his words are it doesn't affect how he snaps the ball. I mm. still don't know if they want to like have any sort of gray area there, but it's all going to depend on how quickly getting up to speed Dan Feeney has been able to do since he got here and. If you think that Lucas Patrick is a better fit at center instead of being over at left guard or a backup guard, whatever the combination is, 
then you go with that. But we'll know tomorrow. I mean, we'll see who's snapping during the open portion of practice, and that'll give you an, as probably a good indication as you need to know who's going to be the starting center for this team on Sunday. Second quarter. It is Packers week, Bears versus Packers, one of the biggest weeks in Chicago, and we want to let you guys know that this second quarter here is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. You see sticks on October 13th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Get as excited for that as you can for uh, this Bears-Packers week. I mean, listen, DraftKings, as we head into the second quarter here, uh, has us as a one-point favorite heading into this Packers game, which basically... I mean, I'm, I'm not a big gambler, right? But basically means anybody can win. It's a toss-up. It's a pick em. <laughs> And it's such a close margin uh, for deciding who is favored and who's not. This is the first time that the Bears have been favored since they were entering their first matchup with Green Bay coming off of the 12-win season in 2018. So I do believe a lot of that has to do with the known versus more of the unknown. And, yeah, we have seen Jordan Love in preseason games, and we've heard a lot coming out of Green Bay about his experience and what he's where he's grown and, and how the team has received him these last couple of months. But, you know, Justin Fields is going into his third year now uh, with the Bears, his second full year as a starter. There's less unknown there. And I, I just – I think that they're factoring in a lot of different things. First off, this is a 325 start. That's a big game. It's a nationally televised game. It's in Chicago. It's at Soldier Field to open up the years. Things like that matter, um, you know, to how betters are, you know, how these, you know, sports books are putting together lines for games. And they're not saying that the, it's a, it's, they're not saying at all that it's out of the realm of possibility for the Packers to come down and quote unquote upset the Bears because they are, you know, have a one point, they're one point underdogs. It's anybody's game. And I think it's too close to pick because there's still on both sides. There's more certainty at the quarterback position in Chicago. Cause you've seen a larger sample size of Justin yeah. Fields, but these are two really new teams top to bottom. The bears have had so much roster turnover this off season as have the Packers at several key positions. Yeah. It's, it's a, I'm very interested to see kind of what the Bears approach to a national game is because you can say it's the same as every game, but we've watched Bears teams, right? We we watched Bears teams under Matt Nagy where literally it was like, oh, you guys can't win at all when the national cameras are on. I remember asking Jason McKee, I was like, was there anything different? Like, was it so different that it, and he was just like, I mean, if it was Monday night, like there were more people there, there was more reporters there, stuff like that. Like you kind of feel it then, but for the most part, right? Like you don't feel it as much for me. It was a regular game. So I just want to see kind of how the bears approach this. I mean, early on, you're getting that national spotlight. You're getting that national game. I think that this is a, this is a bigger week than they'll ever admit, right? Even sure. Jaquan Brisker with the old, I, I hate the Packers. Yeah, like You're not going to admit what you really feel right now. But I think that coming into this one, right, this is this is a bigger game than, than a lot of Bears fans or a lot of the people up there really want to talk about. I guess the real question is, where's the Bears' clear advantage right now over the Packers if they are this one-point favorite? Well, 
we know that, like I just mentioned with the quarterbacks, like there's, there's so many more unknowns about Jordan Love. You've seen one career start from him, you know, and, and throw out the preseason stuff. You saw one actual start from Jordan Love throughout the last couple of years. And with Justin Fields, and he was one of the most explosive rushers in the NFL last year. There's still is, the jury's still out about how much better he can become as a passer, but he didn't become this dynamic player overnight. They saw, you know, anybody, all of us. We've seen yeah. the gradual jump that he's made from rookie year to going into year three, where there's more certainty for him because he's been in this role as QB1 for, you know, 15 or no more than that. Like, you know, two years more or less since yeah. he took over for Andy Dalton. And I, I think that that's going to talk about command of the offense. And there weren't questions about, Hey, like how is Justin as a leader? How is he, you know, galvanizing this team? And that's been, you know, a, a non, a non story. Whereas this past off season, you hear everybody talking about, okay, you, like they're making their case for Jordan love in ways that, Fields had already made his case that he is the like the unquestioned leader of this team. So I in it in terms of talent, in terms of who does what on Sunday, like the jury's still gonna be out. Like, can we see some passes deep downfield from Justin Fields that we didn't see? Like, can he make those back shoulder throws to DJ Moore and have them connect? Yeah. Because we didn't see that in the preseason. We saw the incompletion and another one that didn't look great. But can you you know, can this offense truly start to look like all they've been preaching to us that it's going to look like this this year? So, I, I just because of the, I mean, the quarterback's the most important position in football. So when you have it solved and you know that Jordan, Justin Fields is somebody that they believe in, somebody that they've built around, I think there's the clear natural advantage there. And I would be willing to take it even like a step further. But I think the Packers have the advantage in a couple different areas, and we'll get to that. Um, you know, certain, I think their running back room is more versatile than what the bears have. And again, a lot of unknowns here about how that whole thing is going to be pieced together, but between Jones and Dylan, I think they have a better backfield, but I can't really point to too many other positions that is a, that is a sure upgrade to what Chicago has. Yes, they've added at tight end but they're young players or two rookies that are starting yeah. for them with Tucker Craft and obviously Luke Musgrave was their second round pick uh, this year. And then at wide receiver, you have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs who's dealing with an injury and then Jaden Reed. So all of those things said, like you probably would look again, like it could be a, t- they don't have a true number one. DJ Moore is, is, you know, up here and everybody else is down there in both rooms, but right. I would be willing just to like, look at the receiving core and say, okay, well the bears probably have an advantage there. Offensive line Packers have an advantage because they haven't had the same sort of injury issues. They have a pro bowler still protecting the blind side of the quarterback and David Bakhtiari. Like, I I really do feel like these rosters are more evenly matched than they are different, except for like a very few areas. It's and it's so funny to me, right? Because the biggest question for me is what's gonna be the process of getting back to where we were and then taking that next step. 
Are we going to see that right away? How quickly is that? Because we left the season feeling like, okay, this offense can move the ball down the field. Justin Fields can use his legs to get us down there. He can throw the football a little bit, but the only person to throw it to is Equinamia St. Brown. We're not in a great spot. Now you got DJ Moore. Just seeing them get back to where I think a lot of Bears fans were confident in this team last season. Can they do that week one with no pre, I mean, basically no preseason for Justin Fields and then keep that going to where you're not starting the season off, taking a step back and trying to get back to where you were, but you're right back in there and you're trying to build on what the success you had last season. That's, that's going to be, I think that Justin Fields, like you said, has the advantage of being there, being the starter, being the number one guy. He, he's played in more games. I yeah. know that he's looking for his sixth win in three seasons. Yeah. So that's not lost on anybody, but he has the advantage of experience. Jordan Love is going to be going out there for a second time in his career as a starting quarterback. Yeah. Like there's something to be said, no matter how good your roster is, how you can manage a game when stuff changes all the time. You have the script and then you go off of it very quickly if oh, you yeah. end up getting, you know, behind and down in distance. So how does like we haven't seen enough of a, a sample size of how Jordan Love has handled himself in those moments. Yeah. So advantage i think it's a clear advantage right now that the bears have at quarterback now if the packers end up winning that game does that flip that not necessarily not necessarily i mean but there are there's a huge opportunity here for justin fields to to really like advance himself in that conversation of this guy got off on the right start because last year in the opener, yes, I know weather was a ma- major factor you didn't really know yeah. just yet because it was you had to kind of put an asterisk next to anything that you might have thought was the case because of the elements and because you really never got a test of the quarterback. The test that you're going to see from him in 45, 50-something plays will be, okay, everything that they said this offseason with his timing, with you know syncing up his throws to where receivers are running their routes, making sure they're all on the same page, making sure that there are no pre-snap There's no pre-snap stuff that goes awry. Like how he is post-snap and what he reads and what he sees and what he can adjust to, that's, I mean, there's more at stake for Justin Fields in doing that than there is Jordan Love because this is Jordan Love's first year where he gets to actually be in that conversation of, okay, what do you bring to the table as a starting quarterback? We know what Justin Fields can bring to the table. It's just a matter now of improving in a multitude of areas where he struggled. Let's talk about where the Bears might have a struggle in the third quarter. But first, we got the halftime segment. Halftime, the time where we can talk about anything. Courtney, what from the weekend really stood out to you outside of how bad Clemson is? So I'm not a fan of bulletin board material. Like, of course, you know, when people say things, you're kind of like, huh? Like, <laughs> you might want, it might be like wanting to walk that back. So I still go to the Florida State LSU game when Brian Kelly on Thursday, I believe it was, on his coach's show, said, you know, he's laying out, we're bringing 15 freshmen, guys who've never traveled before, blah, 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 like all the circumstances, and then said, we're going to go down to Florida State and beat the hell out of FSU. And he was placating to an audience. It's just like you predicting nine wins for this team at Football Fest, getting everybody riled up, getting everybody hyped up, clapping, (laughs) or was like, yeah, pass the man, pass the man, (laughs) like, that's what Brian Kelly was doing. And then what the hell was that in the second half where they get 31 unanswered put up on them 
And yeah, they score like a late touchdown to avoid a blow uh, to avoid getting shut out in the second half. But oh my goodness, like a tale of two halves where a team that was terrible in the red zone, they came away, you know, empty handed on like two trips down there in the first half, but they still had a 17, 14 halftime lead. But yeah. that quote from Brian Kelly, because I know Dion has stolen the world of college football, and that's great. But let's not forget about Brian Kelly's guarantee, more or less. And now that they have to end up running the table, that's one of the more fascinating storylines that we're going to be following in college football. Can a two-loss LSU team, because I'm going to you know, spot them for a loss in the SEC West, they have to go to Alabama later in the year, can they end up still getting into the CFP with a resume that looks like that? But, you know, by and large, you know, this weekend was filled with these freezing cold takes and, you know, bulletin board material, everything from the comment that came about Colorado's roster being the worst, maybe next to UMass, by the way, UMass won their opener. Just going to throw that out there. And, I just thought it was so disingenuous that that comment was made when they know who they have at quarterback and Shadur Sanders, who threw for 510 yards. Travis Hunter is maybe the best two-way player since Charles Woodson. And they have, you know, some talent that's being looked at as NFL uh, level talent eventually in the secondary. It's so disingenuous to point out a roster and like that and say how, um, you know, how bad it is. So that's number one. And of course, Brian Kelly, and then Butch Jones. This is bulletin board material, I think, for like even his own team. So they lost 73 to zero, Arkansas State. They lost to Oklahoma. Poor guy. <laughs> and not poor guy. Butch Jones is a jerk. And he's won five games. Pretty sure it's five games since he took over at Arkansas State, a once winning program. Their last coach was like 51 and 37 before yeah. he left. But Butch Jones has been there since 2020. He said that after the game, you know, we had to get rid of all these. Like he's made it clear they had to get rid of all the players that were there before because they didn't believe in winning and they didn't work hard enough. And then proceeds to throw his team that like lost seventy three to zero under the bus for not working hard enough. So I know that like this is the theme now. We're keeping receipts on everything. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll do this with the NFL. I'm excited for our NFL week. You know, week one post mortem freezing cold takes because I'm sure you and I will have several that oh, we yeah. end up like dissecting next week, but. It's um, it's a bad time to live in this world where we have instant information and we can like pull up what somebody said that one time where they, you know, really put their foot in their mouth. And I'm excited I to just, see what it is from the NFL because there always is something. I just love the fact that like all of these college coaches are doing the big predictions, big like it Deion's does them been- no service to do that. Dion's been in college football in, in, in the FCS, right? The bigger college football outside of the, the, the uh, um, swag and stuff like that for what? Three months. Yeah. And he all got of a sudden all these guys are trying to compete with what he's doing. over there. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I think this is college football 3.0, which is use the transfer portal, but you have to also coach these players that you get out of the transfer portal and he's got a plan. This isn't Dion like flying by the seat of his pants, not taking this seriously. This is somebody who built a really good coaching staff and support staff on this Colorado team that has them the talk of college football and watch them go beat Nebraska this week and then go beat Colorado state. And then they're three and O going into that Oregon game. It might be insufferable because some people don't, want to hear Deion Sanders puff his chest out and, and go about business the way that he's doing. But, hey, 
right now it's working and I'm excited. I'm just like, I'm here to like be exposed to the unknown and then learn something from it. So we can see how exactly he is working through this process of turning around a one and 11 team from last year. Hey, you know what I respect about it? Here's the one thing I hate about college football. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I want to be like, I had to attach myself to somebody. So like Deion Sanders being a coach in college made it a lot easier for me to root. I didn't go to college high school graduate. Hey, shout out to y'all. But, so I didn't have a team, but the part that I always hated about college football is week one is just like, hey, we're Alabama. We're going to go play um, UT Martin, North Chicago High School, basically. <laughs> and we're just going to kick the crap out of them. One hundred and seven to three. We gave them the three early to let them build some confidence because we were working on some stuff on that play. And uh, like I respect Dion for saying Oh, runner up in the uh, in the national championship. Yeah, we want that team. Mm-hmm. He can't control their turnover and the things that changed on that team. But like, no, we want we want TCU. Let's start off our season on you guys won a national championship last year. We're going to show you this. Like so many people don't do that. And it's the reason even Matt Rule, right, head coach in Nebraska, talked about coming in, basically playing them next week. And he was like. Y'all can sit there and pay attention to all the rah-rah stuff that he's doing. I'm paying attention to the football mind that's behind all of this. He's not dumb. He no. knows what he's doing, and he, he's he doing it plan. masterfully. He has a plan. It's just a plan that looks so un- unconventional to many traditional college football fans. And that's yeah. okay because just because something's different doesn't mean it's worse or it's not going to work. A lot of times, you know, in a league that has been so dominated by the same – the same cycle of the same know, guy. Yeah. It's the same Nick. stuff. But like, there's other, you know, it's good that we have this changing of like, you know, right before college football is about to explode and look completely different next year and look more like the NFL product. Colorado's arriving at least, you know, I, want, I don't want to say they have arrived, but they are arriving at the, at the right time. If they can the continue this time. thing going on. No, a hundred percent. By the way, where's where's uh, Brian Kelly's Southern accent? Where'd that go? Where'd I think that... he, I think he retired that because he realized how like, how put on it was and how terrible it sounded. I'm here for my family. It's like, dude, aren't you from the north? Like, what's going on? Anyway, uh, let's jump into the third quarter here. Courtney, we talked about where the Bears have a clear advantage. Where do you see the Bears having a clear struggle versus the Green Bay Packers and how they're going to have to address something? I do think that the defensive I mean there's so many there's so much talent on defense and if Joe Barry can get this group to actually play to the level that they are capable of we talk about this with Green Bay every year but I'll look at their pass rush because of like you know the numbers of what they returned from last year Preston Smith had eight and a half sacks 20 quarterback hits Rashawn Gary was part of that sounds like he might be healthy too which is good for them for their sake because he had been dealing with a lot of injuries uh over the last you know season and, you know, so you know, six sacks for Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark in the mix, too. I I just think that the Bears pass rush still because we haven't really seen Demarcus Walker in action. Unique and Gakway, we know what we know what he brings to the table, but how is this going to fare when they actually and you obviously, you know, strength against strength, like when they go against the Bears offensive line, which it's healthy as of right now, minus Tevin Jenkins. But what does that look like? You have a rookie right tackle. Um, you have a different projected starting center. 
what do those things look like? I know that Matt Eberflus said that Nate Davis is a player that he played against a lot when he was in Indy and then Nate was in Tennessee and that, you know, he's right fit for this team. But when we actually get to see Nate Davis in a game, what does he look like at full speed, at full strength? All of those yeah. things that have remain unknown in this iteration of, you know, the Chicago Bears with him because he hasn't played in it before and because he wasn't really around for training camp. So I, I would say that they probably have the advantage at pass rush right now. And then their backfield is, you know, they're and of course the bears want to go by committee. And I think that is the smart approach. I would love to see, you know, how David Walker and Luke Getze end up dividing up those carries. We know that Khalil Herbert's going to end up getting the first crack at that, but then is it Roshan Johnson on third down? Are they going to bring him into, you know, uh, for pass protection and to potentially be used as a, as a weapon too? you know, what about Deontay Foreman? Jones and Dylan have been really solid players for, for them for a number of years. And, you know, D- uh, Jones had 1,100 yards last year, AJ Dillon, like right under 800. You have a dynamic two headed monster in that backfield. And if yeah. Jordan Love is struggling, that's where they're going to lean. Um, so those are probably the two areas that I think, looking at both rosters, where I can say they have a clear advantage. Some people might say the secondary because of Jair Alexander and, you know, they're so star-studded back there. But the Bears have a lot of high high draft picks, too. Eddie Eddie Jackson has been in this defense for a very long time. Jaquan Brisker, he's healthy. You know, second-round pick. Tyreek Stevenson, second-round pick. Jalen Johnson, second-round pick. Kyler Gordon, second-round pick. They have names, too. That's, like, what we need to, I think, come away with here, which is that – Maybe the interception numbers for their DBs stand out just a little bit more than the Bears. But I I don't know if that's – I would venture to say that that's not as much of an advantage as what I would expect, even though the Bears secondary did struggle last year. Because I think the Bears secondary could be the, the strength of this team. I think the real question that, that for me that stands out is, are the Bears going to be able to generate pressure on Jordan Love, this Packers offensive line? I mean, it's nothing to shrug at. And, and I think – realistically my takeaway from preseason even though i know packers fans where jordan love is he looks great he's throwing touchdowns i love what i'm seeing he's running the system i i didn't care about none of that i was like he's got time Mm -hmm. they are not getting to him this offensive line is holding up well and the bears struggled at creating pressure last season yannick and you hope you know can just basically bounce back into the player that he is but you know, he's not going up against a slouch on the other side either. You got Demarcus Walker. You Are the Bears going to be able to create that pressure? I think the offensive line, to me, is one struggle the Bears are going to have to deal with where I don't think Jordan Love's great, but he's good good enough if you let him sit back there that he'll be able to complete a pass. For sure. No, and so I, and they, that gets they you drives down the field. Up front. They have more experience up front, and that's, you know, that unit – by and large, most of that unit has played together before. Now, yeah. you know, Cody Whitehair has played a lot of football. Lucas Patrick was in and out, so I don't really consider him. But, like, Cody Whitehair and Braxton Jones are really the only two of that group that you can tout as, okay, like, they have experience. And they don't even play yeah. next to each other. So, I don't know. Um, they kind of do now, I guess. They, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they do right now. They do right now. They shouldn't because of the injury, but they yeah. do right now. So, I, I just I, – I would – I would really worry about their about the Bears offensive line against this defense, especially yeah. this front seven. 
that's yeah. that's my, that would be my if you if you're asking me for like a question mark because I yeah. do think that their pass rush is better than Chicago's. It's more proven at least. Um, that's where I would have my concern. Yeah, Kenny Clark talked about even. I like I like how he tried to be like secretive about this. He's like, we're gonna we, we're really good at getting off our blocks. We're gonna do more stunts, different things like that, and we're just gonna be more aggressive. I was like, so you're gonna blitz more. Yeah, like basically what you, said. you saw the Bears offensive line. I was like, oh, we're going to blitz. We're going to try to get the Justin Fields. So it'll be in. I, I, I really think this first two weeks for Justin is going to be an opportunity for him to put on his version of whatever that may be a passing clinic mm-hmm. because they're going to try everything they can to take your legs out of the game. And they're going to say, beat us with your arm, just like they did with Mitch. There's going to be a spy everywhere. It's going to all of that. And it's going to be beat us with your arm. Can you get the ball to DJ Moore? Who I ain't gonna lie, I was watching that game against the against the Packers last year. Cooked Jair Alexander quite a bit. So let's see if we can keep that up. I mean, Justin Jefferson had a perfect game more or less against Jair Alexander last year because they weren't sure if they should have him shadow the opposing team's number one wide receiver. So yeah. they. They have definitely had some duds in these season openers. I'm sure that that's a, not an underrated storyline whatsoever for them going into this game because of how it's transpired the last couple of times. Yeah, well, well, they they are a weird. It's just it's just about putting the talent in the right spot, and mm-hmm. I just don't see the Packers do that enough on defense. Like I'm just like I can tell the players don't suck. <laughs> Yeah. What are we doing over here, Joe? You know what I mean? So uh, let's jump in this fourth quarter real quick, though, because fourth quarter. there is Panther Watch, as I said, every week on this podcast will be Panther Watch because of that great pick that we have that we hope turns into a uh, another number one overall pick that we can again trade back to the Carolina Panthers for maybe Brian Burns, who's holding out now. I don't know. I was just throwing that out. But we got a Brian Burns holdout. The Panthers basically have zero pass rush without this guy. Courtney, what is the latest in Panthers world and should Bears fans be excited? This idea that Brian Burns is holding in shouldn't really come as a surprise when he's playing on his fifth-year option. They had time to get this thing worked out for whatever reason. They didn't up until this point. And now they're they're at a risk of not having him there for week one. I heard from Frank Reich yesterday. He said, like, you know, he hopes he's out there. But like Chris Jones, like Nick Bosa, both of those teams, 49ers and the uh, Chiefs, have to prepare to not have their star pass rusher there. The Panthers are going to have to do that too. I mean, they signed Justin Houston who had nine sacks last year. Um, It's, it was a smart move in terms of depth, but until Nick Bosa gets that contract, I don't think Brian Burns makes a move. Now the Panthers could end up coming in and saying, all right, look, like we are a young team, but we are building on something here. They have a nice young core. It's the reason that Brian Burns was never available via any trade, because why would they trade away their best pass rusher? Who at this point in his like mid twenties is somebody you want to keep in the fold, which if I'm Carolina and I know that I go to the table with a deal that's, you know, maybe more than you want to pay, but not at Nick Bosa level yet and say, Hey, this is where we are right now, structured in a way that you can come back to the table in a few years, but like get him there because he's been there for all training camp. It's just that these past couple of practices before week one started, I think he missed two and they were cl- classifying it as personal reasons. So he's there. It's just a hold in, 
But I would be very concerned if I'm Carolina that I'm not going to be able to generate pressure on the opposing quarterbacks uh, that they faced the first couple of weeks if he's not there. Were, were they caught off guard by this? Was this something they were expecting to happen and they just were trying? Because I feel like we haven't heard anything about yeah. them realistically trying to even get to the table to get a deal done. They were just riding into the season with this. This is weird because it came about, you know, the 11th hour of the season starting. So they had some idea. It does for everybody else. It feels out of left field because you know. he was there and he's still there. He's just holding in. But I... I would imagine that if they're dug in and saying we're not going to make any more moves right now, then you know try to have him play out his fifth-year option. It's not a team that you expect to win a whole ton of games, but if something breaks right for them in the NFC South and they could potentially contend for the division, you're probably going to want Brian Burns there. So he may have more leverage on his side, waiting for Nick Bosa's deal to get done and also knowing the state of his team yeah. and the division in which they play. That could end up playing into his favor overall. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, listen, it's not like they have options, <laughs> right? There's not another Brian Burns out there. They've given up, you know, some draft capital to try and go out there and, and get their quarterback. What they feel of the future? What what does it seem at least right right now that their real expectation is heading into this season? Are they trying to be competitive? Are they trying like seven well, wins last year got you a top ten pick? It, it almost got them the division. Yeah. The, again, the NFC South might be a place where eight, nine wins wins you the division. So if that's the case, like the margin of error, like, you know, if you don't have your best pass rusher there, might be more than you think. Yeah. It's not that you need 13 to go win this division. This division isn't a juggernaut. This division is very close between the three teams not named Tampa. And right. if you are building towards something. If you start to have early success with Bryce Young in this defense that has JC Horn, Jeremy yeah. Chin, Brian Burns, um, and some other pieces that they've added, if if this young core is showing you it's taking another step, because like kind of picking up where they left off last season, then they might see their way, their path to go make a run for a division title. Like I, I think that that's probably a little. You know, nobody's saying that that's like a guarantee right now. And I'm pulling up their schedule just to kind of see like where it could break for them. I mean, they open up with a division opponent. They have division opponent in back-to-back weeks. So, you know, when you're talking about getting off to a fast start in the NFC South, having the Falcons on the road, having the Saints at home, yeah, like it's pretty critical that you have your best guy there. It's not like they have like non-division opponents, which of course all games matter in a 17-game schedule, but – to not have him there where you, if you go 0-2 in the division and you're on the outside looking in, at least in terms of that race, you don't want to start like behind the eight ball before you ever really give yourself a chance. Yeah, they. I remember looking at their schedule and I, you know, like, listen, the Panthers could come out and, and surprise us. Maybe Bryce is better than we think or better than he's looked in uh, preseason for sure. But I said, if you don't win the Pack- the Falcons game, you might not win again until the Texans. Yeah, because they've got Minnesota in that mix as well. Uh, The Seahawks, the Lions, the Dolphins. You know, they've got to make sure they don't start out in, you know, if it's a one in five hole, okay. But like, you got to win one of those games in there, especially because Carolina is in a spot where Falcons should be winnable. Yeah. Saints should be winnable. The other teams are going to be favored in all four of those games that we mentioned. But, you know, 
don't play with it. Don't play around with it, especially when you know that like Brian Burns is a player that you did not want to give up on any trades, why he wasn't even available to the Chicago Bears. So why would you end up playing hardball with somebody you want long term? This is not look. Chris Jones is on the right side of 30. But some people are going to argue, oh, like, you know, all this, that, and the other. I think those are stupid arguments. Brian Burns is an unquestioned, this guy can be part of your franchise for another decade. Why would you not pay him? Yeah. Just bizarre. Yeah, he's, he's, only, he's only 25. You know what I mean? Like, at 25, he's got, he's got, what was the last season? 12 and a half sacks? Yes, he's uh, been productive. He has 38 sacks in his career since he was drafted in 19. Why are you playing around with this? But I think and if, G- even if it did catch him off, even if it did catch Scott Fitterer and in, in their front office off guard, you have time now to remedy this to make it work. And so, in presenting him with an offer where he'll sign it and not have to wait on Nick Bosa's deal, yeah, I, I got to sweeten the pot. This this is a situation where it's it's one of those like you know when you you're doing it too much, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, we got to value each player and where we got them at. So we're going to wait on each contract. And there's certain contracts you don't got to wait on, right? Brian Burns is one of those. You don't have to wait. I think he's pretty good. I don't think he's going to have issues. And uh, I I believe he's played just about, I think rookie season, he didn't play outside of that. Every game since then he started. Yeah, I mean, like, good so player. They need yeah, to really he's, he's a pretty good player. We don't have to we don't have to wait on the fifth year on everybody. But hey, as uh, as always, thank you guys for tuning in and showing love. Appreciate Courtney for coming on the show. And uh, I mean, listen, I hope the Panthers go a solid uh, one in 16. And we're talking about a first overall pick that we can then trade back to them for Brian Burns, who they didn't want to sign. So uh, we can we keep building this thing up. Hey, hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Drop a bird down in the comments below. Make sure y'all leave a five-star review. You know what to do. It's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again. Chicago Bears podcast. Right on.